These guys look alert. We probably shouldn't steal anything or kill us. They did let us come inside the house. If they didn't care about that, maybe we could open their mail and read everything in their library. They were okay with that, too. Let's eat their food and sleep in their beds. Still nothing? Okay, let's take this uh, ugly broken lamp and just throw it out. How dare you! For stealing from this house, you must die! Hey, paisanos, it's the Backtrack Brothers Super Show! We're the Backtrack Brothers, and old school are games. We're not like the others. You get all the faith. If you're back left in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. You're hooked on the brothers. You're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from RPG, so we have consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome! This is RPG Backtrack, episode number 197, A Pillar is Forever. I am one half of a pair of the most awesome retro gaming podcast hosting whatever people you've ever heard of before. My name is Phil Willis, and the other half is the one, the only, Mr. Mike Minky. Phil, I find it interesting that this is actually a game that even though you own, you haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm sorry, that's that's actually not as uh, special as I thought, but it's still interesting. Hey, wait a minute, that sounded like sarcasm. <laughs> it's almost like you have a whole bunch of work to do all around the job, and you don't get to play games as much as you want anymore. I only have 1,352 games in my backlog. I will get to them one day, Mike. Get off my case! No, Find Phil's How Long to Beat at. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I actually. I started typing it all in the backloggery.com one day and gave up with my, you know, after like inputting for a week straight, I still wasn't halfway done. Uh, you can feed your Steam library into How Long to Beat, and that skips you a bunch of steps, but then you still have to add all your consoles, yeah, I guess. Darn console yeah. games. And I'm really surprised you haven't played this one, seeing as the other games that this game is kind of a successor of. Yeah, I need to get to it, but first, the first thing I need to do before I do that is introduce these two voices whom we haven't heard of from in some time. Uh, First, we have Mr. Uh, Don... See, I said I was going to pronounce your name correctly. I still managed to screw it up. John Stringer. Hello. And Mr. Stringer. Yeah, and Mr. Scott Lockdown. I'm, I'm doing okay. Compressor Doodles, they're great. Compressor Doodles for the win. This co- this podcast has been brought to you by Compressor Doodles. That is it's not all. a fudge or a, at all. That is completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, noise gates are also nice, but Discord builds theirs in and it's weird and wrong. It's just weird and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we got to play with that for like the first 10 minutes before we can actually start recording. Uh, that's what we get for using Discord, but unfortunately one of the new updates was Skype. Now, it automatically makes me more and more quiet as I keep talking, which is horrible for podcasting. 
So we have a choice between you, it's between like the opposite of Discord. a compressor. <laughs> Grr. But you know what isn't for us? Okay, maybe it is frustrating. I don't know because I haven't played it. Uh, Pillars of Eternity. By the way, this is Backtrack number one. Did we say a Pillars for? Did we, did we say what the name of the yes, show we did say that. Okay, sorry. We, we Pillars, Pillars of Eternity. We're talking about Pillars of Eternity today. Yay. Yay. Is that a frustrating game, guys? Was that a good segue or not a good segue? It can be frustrating if you play it like an impatient console gamer, I suppose. I mean, there are definitely chunks of it that have that are just not worth the effort, I'm going to say. But, but no, I, I don't think it's too frustrating. Well, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. I, you know, this was, uh, I can't remember if it was about the first ones or in the middle somewhere, but I remember this being a big part of that wave to revive old school computer, you know, RPGs, uh, along with so, you know, many others, uh, like, uh, Divinity Original Sin, uh, and a few others that escaped my mind at the moment. But I remember jumping on the, the, the bandwagon for some of those as a Kickstarter. Uh, Pillars of Eternity was in Kickstarter. I was already dedicated to like four other uh, retro games that were kind of being made. So I said, ah, I'll get it when it comes out if it's good. And and people told me it was good. So I've got it. But unfortunately, with everything else in my backlog, I haven't had a chance to Wait, get to it. No, you aren't among the 77,000 plus Kickstarter backers for Pillars of Eternity? I know, right? So I'm not going to know that because it's on every other load screen. Oh, that's funny. No, you're not going to see my name in the end credits as one of the 77,000 Kickstarter people. Uh, Divinity Original Sin did not do that for me, though. I don't remember seeing my name in there. <laughs> or Mech Commander. Oh, what was it? The new Mech Warrior? Mech Commander? Mech yeah. Commander. I kickstarted okay. that. Yeah. And then talk about regret uh, that under, is it Underworld? Under something that just got released? Oh, it was a remake of Ultima Underworld. Oh, uh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, those guys. And they were giving me updates. I was really excited about it. And it finally got the official release just last week or so. Downloaded, all excited. Three hours later. Junk. Yeah, very disappointed. And Ultima Ascension? Yeah. Yes. Something like that. Something, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. the Ultima Underworld. Well, it was based off of Ultima Underworld. Maybe it's called Ascension by itself. Great, now I'm going to have to look it up in my Steam library. Yeah, because a... Ultima 9 is called Ascension, oh, and I don't think anybody Ascended. wants to reference that. We're like, right. a point. Underworld Ascended? Underworld Ascended, there you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah, da- download the guys, boys and girls. As much as I love retro games, this one is way too retro. As in halfway broken, very frustrating. I-, I could go on and on. We're not here to talk about new games that suck. We're here to talk about old games that sometimes suck and are sometimes awesome. And we're going to find out which one of those categories, Pillars of Eternity, falls into. Along with our Blast in the Recent Past section, we're going to talk about God Eater 2 and Darkest Dungeon. And then uh, your comments and so much more with the final lap. All of that coming up right after these commercial messages.
back. This is the main event where we take a game or a series of games and we dive into all of its juicy, juicy entrails. Uh, today we are talking about Pillars of Eternity, developed by Obsidian Entertainment, published by Paradox Interactive. This was released in Windows March 26, 2015, and later on brought, later on brought to the X-Bone and the PlayStation 4 on August 29, 2017. This is a single-player Western RPG experience. Do we want to count the White March as a separate release or just DLC? It's it's an expansion pack. Like, it's... Okay. I mean, if if we do The Witcher 3, we're going to do all of it. We're going to do all of it. Yep. And I have a friend who spent over 200 hours on it, so uh, that'll be a big one, but... Oh, yeah. I think, I think but, we'll have to get there I mean, eventually. But, I mean, we have to talk about a game whose highlight, whose true emotional climax is a two-hour wedding sequence where nothing goes wrong. That's unheard of, I think. Yeah. Just go to a wedding reception. You have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I've done that a couple times. Of course, they usually last even more than two hours. Well, it's a video game. You can't, right. you can't, you can't make Geralt do the dance mini game for too long and the players get bored. I'm standing along the wall... As a player, it gets really boring really fast. What are you talking about? That was disc one of Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> and that game was really boring. <laughs> My wife didn't think so. She enjoyed that scene. I had to, like, reload a save game just so I could play it for her again. I feel we're getting slightly <laughs> off track. All right. All right, so who wants, to, who wants to talk about this story of Pillars of Eternity? All right, so... In ye old crazy fantasy setting, which is um, takes the unique tack of bumping it up a few centuries, so you get you know real engineering and actual firearms as part of the setting. In uh, the land of Deerwood, which I apparently have been pronouncing wrong this whole time, uh, has been afflicted by a plague where people are born without souls, and that's born? bad. Yeah, Hollowborn. I'm going to I'm going to do the thing where I gloss over all proper nouns okay. just on principle. I do that all the time. That is something I can extra hard. I'm going to do it extra hard for this game because they are aggressive with their proper nouns. Mm-hmm. I I, wait, I can wait, back this hundred percent. Don't you love the fact that they spell things differently, but dukes and earls and whatnot are pronounced exactly the same as they always oh, are? Oh, I would. I'm going to drop kick Av- Chris Avalone. I will. But, uh, so Deerwood has been uh, afflicted with a plague where people are born without souls, which is bad news because everything runs on souls. Everything. And so, um, there's a cult that's actually doing it and also stirring up a bunch of guys, uh, stirring up the populace against you guys what measure and manipulate souls for their own ends, which leads to riots in the streets and burning of academic facilities, also that they can then claim those souls and feed them to their dead god so she will do whatever it is they want. Their goals are non-specifically nefarious. And then the player is a guy who can see souls and poke at them and view past lives and people's history and mess around with souls. And so they are tasked with fixing it with the help of a colorful crew of weirdos who shout a lot and then the day is saved or not so much because it's, you know, PG and there's nine endings. And do all of them somehow tie into Pillars of Eternity 2? Uh, well, Pillars of Eternity 2 takes the sage choice of saying, so some time went by and you became a pirate. 
Having not played it yet, I can't speak to that, but No, literally why that's not? Cut. that that that's how it skips. Like Baldur's Gate 2 gives you like, you know, a 15-minute narration of how, you know, the end the, the ending of the last one feeds into this one, but no, no, this is just it's been a couple of years. Your character is now a pirate on the other end of the on the other end of the planet and um, you know, things are fine. Except weird soul shit happens, and then you have to be a pirate and fix weird soul shit. Which pirates are not necessarily known for doing, but if you did it in the previous game, why not do it again? I There there seems to be two parallel games, pirating and and soul fixing. And, you know, I, I, I'm not opposed to a good pirate game. Uh, I, I still haven't played Pillars 2. Yeah, I haven't either. Now, I think with the souls, with kids aren't being born. They're like turning into like little the zombie-like kids or like ghouls or whatever. They, well, they just sort of, like, the the description is that they just are completely listless. They're completely apathetic to everything, and you can keep them alive, but it's a full-time job of just making sure they're sitting upright and forcing food down their throats. Zuh had a complete mental shutdown in, because of dementia. This, they don't do anything. They just sit there and don't even seem to stare out. They, it's just a, a vacant husk. Yeah. Which I guess it would be creepy if you saw it in baby form, but thanks to the style of graphics, you don't really see it in baby form. Yeah, I mean that. I think they they could have really made that that the crisis really hit home just by having a short cutscene of a baby being completely, you know, not there. Maybe that was a, a stretch goal that somebody decided not to implement at the last minute. Well, someone had to write all that short fiction about uh, everyone who backed it a hundred dollars or more, right? Well, didn't yeah. they write some of their own? And oh, put it yeah. In so, little... Well, then, then someone had to vet, you know, the users. Yeah. Which, yeah, come on. I haven't counted these because I eventually I got bored of just looking at these uh, listings of backers, but there are a lot of them. And you can just see what such wonderful things as, um, I did it, man, I'm in! That That's the kind of quality writing that you see from a lot of the of the backers preserved forever in the game now yeah no there there's there are definitely guys who did not put effort into it and the ones who put too much effort into it and i'm like i gave up on clicking on people with certain the 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 kickstarter backer color of name because i was just nope nope not risking it not Hmm. risking my eyeballs yeah that could have been implemented a little better it was kind of off-putting uh are all of those characters that you get to look at the soul of so that you get a quick history and then it has absolutely no relation to the rest of the game? Are those all from Kickstarters? Yes. Yeah, th- those are guys that, like, I think I think they were the $100 guys. The Tyranny did it even worse where everyone just got a tombstone, but you had to look up where they were in this ridiculously complicated elevator device. But I don't think Tyranny was a Kickstarter. Ah, then why were there so many worthless names in it? I have no idea. See, I just assumed that. Why Why did they fill, like, 10,000 rooms with names of guys if they weren't patting Kickstarter backers on the back? I couldn't tell you. I haven't played Tyranny. Yeah. Yeah. Without looking, I couldn't tell you either. I'm just going to make an educated guess that Obsidian loves its fans so much that even if they don't send in useful amounts of money... Obsidian will still put your thing in there because they want to show how much they care. Sure. That's, sure. that's my explanation. I'll roll with it. Um, so I guess at the beginning you start in that cave with some some companions you think are going to be yours. And then oh, yeah. they're not. 
Your starter <laughs> loser, your tutorial losers, yeah. There's your female, what was she, a paladin? Yeah. And uh, the guy who you think, oh man, I have to tell this guy that he either gets to rest, which means we have to wait in the cave and see if we get attacked, or no, you don't get to rest. You get to keep moving with that dagger wound in your side. And then it amounts to nothing because they both die. Yeah. Yeah, one was like a thief, I think. It was kind of intro tutorial, and it starts letting you learn the uh, mechanic of like making choices. So like little storybook choices that pop up, but you really find out you're uh, some some character called the Watcher. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're a Watcher because they're supposed to be. You need a few other Watchers through the game, but you are a brand new Watcher. Yeah, and, and you need their. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm gonna say if the graphics were a different engine, then visualizing the Watcher would probably be easier, but instead you get it pretty much through all through text, and the screen goes kind of purpley, yeah. black-purplish. And the music changes, and you'll really start to get annoyed with that music cue for when you're staring at soul stuff. Because, silly me, I've still been doing that. I've still been looking at all of these named characters, and apparently it means nothing being able to look at their soul histories, but... nope. I'll I'll stop eventually once I once it finally got to end home. at some point. Yeah, it's also a fairly dark and depressing world, especially when you start off. Like that first area, you leave the cave. Well, after you kill the uh, infamous was it the dire bear or the bear in the cave? Yeah, that like took out most everyone that started. And then you, you get to the hanging tree where it's a tree, old ass tree with a bunch of dead bodies hanging out, and you can talk to some of the dead bodies, or you you can look into their souls or whatever. Well, they they're they're giving you useful advice and feet and seed quests, and that's important. Including one of them that's also a, I think it was also a watcher or some kind of sorcerer who displeased the local lord and got hung for it. And there's yeah. just enough of her left to give you some instructions before her soul finally departs. And of course, I can't remember the character's name right now, but it doesn't matter. Too many names. <laughs> too many names. Too much setting specific jargon. Well, I'll say this. If you want to read lots of game-specific history, boy, this is the game for you. There is a lot to read, and I'll say this. It's pretty well written for the most part. Oh, yeah. Like, clearly someone here is actually doing some good world building, but the sheer amount of just lore can crush you when the story is already there. Like, there's already story. There's already a lot of reading and figuring out of things just to get through the plot. And then the game will just pelt you with lore and side material until the cows come home and then get bored of watching you leave so the cows go away again. And then the sheep come in. Yeah. So yeah you do the intro. I remember the uh, there was a quest to, to kill the, or to go see that duke, either kill him or do... I remember that being one of the better quests and I think there's multiple things. Or there's maybe a couple different outcomes or different strategies you could use to how to approach it. Yeah, I think I, I just know. wrecked everything in the castle. I think that's what I ended up doing, too. Yeah, like, I, I know I there's initially... a bunch of ins and outs to that particular quest line, but I'm just like, no, I'm a wreck everybody. <laughs> I initially tried to be sneaky. I poked around and noticed, oh, I can go up the side of the castle and go in through the roof. And then once you do that, you immediately start finding people who you have to kill. But this being a game where none of the enemies seem to have any long, any uh, real field of view, you can kill their friends in a room, in another room, and they will be completely unperturbed until you get into the room where they are. Yep. 
And what's interesting about this game, too, was that uh, you didn't get experience for kills, right? You just got experience for quests and... and... You kind of yeah. get experience for kills if it's a new enemy that you haven't seen before filling out its bestiary. But once you've yeah. killed a few of them, then it's done and you get nothing else except yeah. stuff. Oh, man, you get a lot of stuff in this game. Oh, so much stuff. And it's it's got the uh, Infinity Engine uh, inventory management to go with it. So you're sliding. Well, it's it's better than Baller's Gate because you have a just a non-specific pool for all your stuff. And then you can fiddle around and make sure that everyone's got, you know, potion. So many weapons and more weapons and, you know, a backup weapon and a gun and a different gun. And that pool, that is so handy because, oh my goodness... Imagine how how much more inventory management you'd have to do if you didn't have that stash for extra stuff. Oh, even even just basic encumbrance would kill this game. I've been I've gone through about five minutes or so in a shop of selling all of the useless crap that I don't need right now. Here here's my tenth hunting bow that I don't need. Here's my seventh padded ar- leather armor that I don't need. Take it, take it all. I don't want it. <laughs> so we're yeah. going to continue on the story or talk about some yeah. of the other characters and such well, yeah okay, just so... go with the story because I'm I'm near the end of act 2 right now but I've played 40 hours so go ahead so the yeah. first act it kind of introduces everything you go to that first village you learn how about the hollow you learn about you know um, your your what, what a watcher is or you start to learn some of that and then you go on to the big town in the game, the big city, which Act 2. Act 2 is a mixed bag. It, it reminds me of, like, the, of any part of the game that reminds me of most of the Baldur's Gate. It's Act 2. And the way you run through the town, you do some of the quests and, and how that works. Uh, that, that, act, that, that's, like, the proper hub of the game. Yeah. You are, like, you are well out of the newbie area. And here you go. Talk to everyone. Get all the quests. Go out into the woods. Come back. Earn your quest XP and go back into the woods. Or yeah, sometimes this... you don't need to go into the woods. You can go into the sewer. Yum. Oh, the sewers. Yeah. Yes. And this, I think, where it shows some of the odd or bad pacing of the game can have at times. As uh, Act 2 is, feels kind of bloated compared to the rest of the game. It's really big. I'm not trying to be too critical of it. It's still good stuff, but for the most part. But it is long. And this, this is kind of where you do most of all your side quests. Yeah. And there are a lot of side quests, and a lot of them are actually pretty interesting. Let me try and come up with an example. Uh, let's see, the Crucible Knights, where you have to come up with the magical research that will allow them to put souls into or the animate knights, the the soulless animatrons that they were going to have do their work for them. You do yeah, it, that... you find, and then they go wrong, and you end up having to kill all of the animate knights. Aren't yeah. there two different factions? You could two or three different factions you could choose to ally with. Yeah, yeah. I've I picked the Crucible Knights, but there's also the Dozens, which is some big gang that uh, I think I got in their in their bad graces because I ended up killing a couple of their people for I don't even remember why right now. But and then the other one is uh, the Noble family, the the disc the the something like that. And yeah. go ahead, it, it doesn't matter. The Noble family. <laughs> Yeah, you got rich guys, knightly guys, jerks, and the rich guys are also jerks, but a different kind. And you, you still have to murder all the the robots. So many robots. I forgot about those. 
do we want to call the flesh constructs in the sanitarium robots or are they something else i don't know they're they're dead they're <laughs> full of bullets is what they are they do explode into bloody bits when you kill them yeah i have no problem with that you know it's kind of i've kind of forgotten a lot just now oh well, yeah there's so much of it that just isn't super memorable i mean the game's not bad it's just not like it it doesn't really pop you follow the breadcrumbs of this cult and eventually you clue into the two halves of their plan uh you can't stop one half but you do stop the other half and then you get the end credits take three hours longer because they have to thank seven thousand backers Seventy-seven thousand. yeah hey i was one of those well then I'll, yeah, i will did, see did your you name wait? in the credits good sir did, did, did you sit through it to spot your name yeah i did okay of course i did <laughs> did you pay enough to get one of those comments on the wall in that in that case i should probably no i paid a decent bit but i got the the physical collector i okay. don't remember how much it was but it wasn't cheap i'm sure we can find out what the, the different tiers of kickstarter rewards were yeah oh we can pull up that page Probably those never go away, uh, which, you know, kick uh, people who run Kickstarters love that. They love that those pages never go away and people can bug them in the uh, message creator option for decades. Man, it's a good thing Spoonie has never run a Kickstarter. Uh, I hope they're doing okay. <laughs> Come on, give me pillars. Is it $140? I swear that's what i want that, to say but that might be at 140 or 150 maybe that sounds maybe there we go project eternity I'm trying to remember what they called it so yeah it was project eternity. 140 gets you the collector's edition box no, that's what it was yeah i remembered something it is a pretty cool collector edition i actually was pulling it out for this to kind of sift through the little guide and the little good yeah, have you I watched would... the movie. Have you watched? Did you watch the movie? Uh, you know what? I don't think I did. I should. Usually, I, I I'm not sure why I get these collector editions sometimes because I get them and they look nice on the shelf, and then I don't even usually look or go through a lot of the extra so stuff. So it's kind of stored away. I did well, use I mean, the 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 hardback guide though. Well, okay, a hardback guide is good. Cloth map could be nice. It's all right. You'd have to frame it or something. You, you got to do something with that. You use the mouse pad? Nope. It's kind of small. Yeah. <laughs> what about the movie? Well, we just no, said he didn't watch the movie. The movie. I, there's a patch in there, too. Oh, man. All right. So, and then we get into Act 3, which is pretty short. It's just run through the... It's pretty much just watch the city burn down, and then run through the dungeon, fight all the dudes, and then talk down a god. I think I talked her down. Yeah, this game's got a weird relationship with gods and deities, and and it's kind of confusing sometimes. But uh, there was this god; they they just kind of anoint heroes as gods, so it's almost Greek-like in a way, but not. Um, and there, so who's the guy? About was it twenty, thirty years ago? Who was marching his people down to come fight, and then he like there's that big explosion. And he died, but then they they made him like the newest god. And I, I that was a big pivotal part of the story, and I, I'm kind of ashamed that I don't remember. What the guy's was name. it? Oh god, was it Magrin? Mm. The guy? It's the one that Dorance or Durance or whatever. Yeah, he's the one that did it. Yeah, Ma- Magrin is uh is the hero who is now a god, except people still remember him. He's just a bastard. 
Yeah, so you get yeah, a lot of these. Endurance helped make the the God Killer. Yeah, yeah, that that's what blew up. So I guess we you could talk about the companions somewhat for with the story, the NPCs that join. Isn't there an Act Four? In act Three, I think in Act Four the expansion. Yeah, I think Act Four is your White March. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, yeah, I got a notification that the White March is available now, and I haven't gotten in there yet because I gather that's scaled for. A, a really high level party, right? Yeah, it's 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 definitely post game or close to post game. I have been oh. poking around in the the fifteen floor dungeon that is in my stronghold, though. Oh yeah, the the basement of your house that is layer upon layer of doom. Yeah, that's the stronghold. That was a stretch goal, and you can tell it's a stretch goal because well, it's not very seamless with the rest of the game. Well, it, it's like this, the idea that you have a place to hang out where you can park a bunch of merchants and a bunch of crafting stations is great. I always like when games give me that. But then there's the part where it's like, oh, it'll also be, you know, a bonus dungeon. And there will be a thing where, like, the bad dudes invade it at one point. Except I had, like, trolls living in it, so I watched them die. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was cool in and of itself, but it didn't feel it was it was felt tacked. You could kind of do it whenever stuff kind of did happen when you're out and oh hey come back to the base or something going on like you can get attacked, but it wasn't very well fleshed out. And I think they even admitted they they didn't flesh that out as well or it didn't work as well as they'd like it to. Well, there's there's always that point where it's like this is a cool idea, and in a game where you have a fixed budget, you would sit down and have the earnest conversation where you'd cut it, but now that there's just big old $3 million sitting there, you have to justify that to people. So, you know, half-baked ideas get thrown into it. And that's why you... This was, I think, the, the first symptom of that wave of Kickstarter dar- darling games that just had a bunch of stuff that was there. I mean... Well, let's see. Here's the one way in which I can think that it directly relates. Uh you will collect taxes from the land surrounding your stronghold every now and then. Does that yeah. amount to much? Not really. But it does buy you beer. Except you stole, you have stolen and murdered people and taken their beer to a degree that you're not even sure what beer does in terms of stat boosts. But everyone's got at least three pints on them in their little quick bar, just in case. Because beer and other alcohol, unlike the various drugs in the game... Do not come with a crash after you take them. <laughs> yeah. Because it so sounds like they were coming up with all these these things for the Kickstarter stuff, and they were just so excited that they could, they never stopped to ask themselves if they should. Well, well there, they were plenty the... of, there were plenty of stretch goals that made perfect sense. Like, they, we wouldn't have had barbarians as classes if, if, if we hadn't gotten, you know, two and a half million, right? Yeah, and... It's it's kind of all those things where a lot of companies have learned about be careful with their stretch. And I don't think these were necessarily a failure all out because there's some games that had stretch goals that, hey, we tried to do it. It's just not working at all. So at least they did implement these and they did work. It's just maybe it would have worked a little bit. But other games have done the strongholds better. Yeah. Well, there's one update that came with, what is it, patch 3.0, which was released in almost a year after the initial game, in which a noble starts making a fuss in the judicial system about your claim to the stronghold. And you show up, and he has a legal right to it, but he's such an asshole that he gets denied because he refuses to even 
so much as admit even in the slightest scintilla that you could have possibly done anything for this wonderful, wonderful property, which has been in his family for generations. And eventually that pans into, he is raising an army to conquer your stronghold and you need to raise an army to fight him off. And at this point, I attempted to tackle his army and discovered that, oh my goodness, I should have waited a little longer because you have a convenient sheriff who is able to uh, delay him as long as you need him to until you're perfectly ready because you can recruit some of your allies that you make through the game. And I only had the crucible knights at that point, not apparently you get ogres and some other ally, which can tackle his troops in a scene to reduce the sheer number of enemies that you have to tackle. So I died, but I will come back once I have my full stock of allies and kick his ass because he's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, I did not do that. I played it near launch, so I think I missed some of the uh, added some of the con- gamma content. Well, I know the entire White March consists of later content. Well, that 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 was actually like explicitly like, hey, we are releasing more content. This is new. You have to buy it. And Those then, are like expansion. Yeah. Whereas there were some patches that just added more stories, and some patches that were just like, we fixed a glitch. <laughs> And you were never quite sure what it was going to be, and you had to pay attention to your patch notes. Or we can look at the Pillars of Eternity Wikia and see, uh, or I'm sorry, the Gamepedia, which has a catalog of all these patches, which goes into what they do. And, oh my goodness, one of them was a hot fix for a problem with ambient audio pausing at incorrect times. Well, fortunately, that was implemented. Yep, it matters. Look. I, I I will cuss out games if they if their ambient audio is wrong. I'm looking at Wolf Howling sound effect from Witcher Two, but no, oh, they, Scott, that one didn't get implemented until June twelfth, twenty fifteen. So you you had to play it with that problem still in place. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I just had to hear a wolf howl every forty seven seconds in The Witcher Two. <sighs> I'm I'm amazed that your sanity has held up as well as it has. Who says it has? The fact that you're able to continue to have a semi-lucid conversation instead of endless nonsense babbling says that it's not completely gone. Fish. You're still more lucid than my mother. Okay. All right. So uh, companion-wise, we have a whole bunch of dudes. Well, not a whole bunch. Like eight? We're going to do the last chapter. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this one, whereas two felt kind of long and bloated, three felt a little rough. And you kind of, you well, you go off to that town of um, kind of tribal-like people in yeah. the east. And it uh, it's kind of in the mountains. And there you you go up and you kind of meet the gods. You fight a dragon. Dragon's pretty tough. Um, and you kind of learn the secret of the gods and go through this little thing and how they're kind of frauds. All right, you did have to fight a dragon. That was really hard. Yep. Not the hardest enemy in the game, but one of the harder ones. I think you that was the one that made dragon. me switch a bunch of difficulty settings, so I, I I don't... I had much trouble after it. Okay, so let's see. Companions. You've got Aloth. He, yep. He's an elf, right? We didn't come up with a new name for elves in the game? No, <laughs> they did much. not make up a word for... They, they didn't make up new words for dwarf or elf. <laughs> it just added new races with really pretty far afield names. <laughs> All I'm remembering is the godlike, which I don't think I've seen a single NPC in the game that it is a godlike. Now there's there's yeah, one, one in the brothel. Okay, I have to look more closely. Pellegrina. Yeah, she's a godlike. Mm-hmm. I thought so it was just because she was from the 
the Republic. No, it's the feathers on her head. Okay. And she can't wear a hat because she has feathers on her head. Yep. yep. And I'm going to equip with hat. So Aloth is an elf. He's a wizard. He's very elfy. Uh, he has a backstory where his dad doesn't like him because he bailed on becoming a wizard knight. And uh, then he joined uh, the bad guys for a while. And then he ditched them because he realized they were bad guys. And then he joins up with you. And then he helps you save the day. <laughs> and he has another personality inside of him from Rogue Soul that yeah, makes him talk like a, an uncouth Scottish lady. <laughs> yeah, like he he's 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 got an extra soul riding shotgun, and that guy's a dead. It's really strange. And he doesn't tell you about it until quite a ways into the game, so you're still wondering, wait, why did you completely change the sound of your voice? I don't know. So I do want to say that um, where the story is kind of, it's well, it's, it's different. It's not that memorable. It's not awesome. I think the NPCs are pretty solid this game, and that, that they, they kind of stand out. They're they're very unique characters for the most part. Some better than others, obviously. I, I think I think they do a good job of popping over. Like I rem- I don't necessarily remember the names of all of the guys in this, but I remember them better than any of the tag along characters from uh, Divinity. And I played Divinity more recently. Well, let's see where I'm yeah, right now. Edder is the other guy you get early on with Aloth. Yeah, like and you, you like get your, your wizard standard. and your fighter because you always get a wizard and your fighter when you're at when you leave tutorial dungeon. He's a fairly likable character too. Yeah, he he's he's chill with whatever. He's down with you just not taking things too seriously and being at odds with the power structure because he doesn't like the power structure either. He's a war veteran from the war with the. Uh... Was it with the God guy or just another recent war? I think I think he was in uh, what? Yeah, and he had to fight against his brother. I think on the other side. Yeah, he just wants to be a farmer. Let's see. You can get Durance pretty fast too. Yeah, Durance is hanging out in the street the second you leave the first town to like like on the way to the first outside of town quest. He's just standing at a crossroads, shouting nonsense, and you you can just say, hey, you want to hang out? And then he's like, yes, I want to hang out. And then he, you know, runs around with you, throwing fire magic at people. You know that, that character, or the characters you always see in games and movies, it's like some religious fanatic that's standing in the middle of the street screaming stuff, that the, you know, doom's coming. In the- yeah, you get to recruit one of those. It, yeah. And he does have some funny things to say if you go into a brothel. Yeah. He he really likes brothels. And I love his description at the beginning, making him sound like about the ugliest man on the planet, because his portrait, while not pretty, does not come anywhere near that level. Yeah. Like, I'm not seeing... Even the high-res version, I'm only seeing, like, two warts and a scar. And he's supposed to have pox scars all over his face and be missing teeth and... I wouldn't be surprised if his eye sockets are mismatched, something like that. Yeah. All right. So after Durance, let's see. You get the uh, Ranger girl. Yeah. The, the so now you get the Druid, right? Uh, you get the Druid cat guy. I don't even think I ever actually saw him. Really? No. Wait. No, I did recruit him, and then somehow I was like, "Uh, dealing with Druids is too frustrating. You're getting benched." Oh, I actually liked him. He's pretty powerful. I haven't had him for too long yet. He's just hanging out there, and his introduction is, here, you want to eat this thing that I just grabbed off this deer carcass? 
And if you tr- actually take him up on it, he says, wow, that's probably a bad idea. You really shouldn't eat something straight from the digestive tract of the deer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm keeping him for a little while to see if he's useful. Well, here's the thing. He's, at first, he's a little rough. But I think he's one of those classes where once he levels up, he gets a lot more. Yeah, there's, there's a certain that the druids are a bit of a they're 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 harder to manage. I seem to remember that being a big problem. With it's like I'm already like pausing. I think a little too often to keep this combat running smoothly. Bouncing between druid spells and ongoing effects was not what I had patient at the time. Let's see. We've got Palagina. I want to say Pellegrina, that just sounds better, but no, it's Pellegrina. Thank you, writers. And she's from the Republic, and she just she just kind of joins up with you after you sort out some dumbass who got into too much debt with the Republic. And I left that dumbass to get killed because I didn't want to help him. I didn't want to kill him myself. Well, he's not worth the trouble. And then she just kind of hangs out with you because... Um, she likes you, I guess. Well, don't you yeah. have to promise to do something for her? Like she's got some issue. I think. I think. Like the. I want to say her quest get. She gets insistent about her quest in a way that none of the other characters do. Yeah. She probably will. I just haven't gotten to the point where I can take on her quest yet. I. I haven't reached that location. Yeah. Like it. it that's an act three quest. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the one I just got last night. Grieving mother. That's her name. She's, She's got the interesting. Coolest. She's got the coolest backstory, but it takes the longest to suss out. I think so. Yeah, and She's the I, one that's kind of like the... What, what do you call the... They give birth? To, yeah, she's the midwife. Women. Yeah, midwife. That's the word. She's just like, recruiting her took a while because I had to keep listening and staring and making sure that what I was seeing was what I was really seeing until I finally saw that, oh, it was some facade that nobody else has ever seen through. And now she's joined me. Well, she, she, gets, she, gets she doesn't talk much people. yet. To whip beams, crazy weird whip powers. Because <laughs> she's a cipher, which is the which is the one weird class. Because every game needs the weird class. Yeah, it's kind of like a a spell casting ranger type. It's like Dang. a mix between magic and. But with like mostly debuffs. Yeah. Well, I and... actually picked a cipher because I wanted to see what the heck that was like, and. At first, it wasn't very impressive, but now that I've gotten the control enemy ability, that can be very helpful. Oh yeah, no, there's, there's again, there's a lot of good powers in it, but it's, it's definitely like the one you have to sit down and figure out. Just a wizard, just like I'm going to pick all the spells with fire in them, and then I will blow them up. Uh, Nuke them from and, orbit. Yeah, and then there's uh, Kanarua, who is another of the game's specific races. I'm not gonna. There's, there's only one consonant in the name of this race, so I'm not going to try. But he's I don't cool. Blame you. He he's a bard with a flintlock pistol with with a rifle. He's a bard with a flintlock rifle, and that's why he's great. Oh yeah, and there's Kana, the the guy who's just hanging out around your stronghold when you get there, and that's who he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go to your stronghold, and it's like, hi, I'm a bard. I have a gun. We should hang. He does have a gun. The gun is awesome. The reload time is not awesome. Yeah, well, that's why he's singing while he reloads. <laughs> and and if you can get and if you can get set up the the singing sub game where you keep switching songs over the course of a fight, it it really does help. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. And apparently, there are some new characters in the White March who I've I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I I don't know. I have not played the White March. Not, I don't think any of us have. I will say that the White March is the White March. 
I've heard good things about it, though. I know. There's, like, this little bit of me that's like, you know, I can re-up it. It's probably on sale today, like DLC. I, I'm pretty sure it is. Just about everything is on sale right now. Yeah, it's on sale somewhere. The only bit of White March that I've seen so far, uh, what's-her-face, your steward in the stronghold tells you something about... Oh, there's this new area which is suddenly which I've heard about. It's a very long distance away, but you can go there and find stuff, and you can go there. And on the way there, there's this wizard who you probably don't want to touch because he's really, really powerful. And from what I've researched, he is really, really powerful. But it's available in the middle of chapter two once you have the material installed. Although I don't recommend going out there unless you feel up to being murdered a few times as you learn the place. Yeah, that's about right. Don't get murdered. That's all I have to say about the White March so far. I haven't gone in there yet. Apparently there's a construct. It's usually one of the better characters in the... I'm going to say it. Usually yeah. the construct's the... So, one thing we didn't miss or didn't talk about yet is not all of the classes you can be, like Barbarian, uh, there's no Rogue NPC. Uh, what not. else did we... There's another class, I think. Uh, there's no Monk. I no, think those monk, get in the White March. Monk came in with uh, White March, so yeah. I think you can start as one if you have that. If you have the complete edition, oh, yeah, you could and... start as one. You just didn't get an NPC. So what what NPCs you don't get, you can kind of create your own guys. So you can have a mismatch of um, of guys you create and NPCs uh, fighting for you. And typically, the guys you can create, you can kind of min max them for the class, and they're they're kind of more powerful, or if not kind of they typically unless. You obviously don't do it that way on purpose, but... Why wouldn't you? Because so, sometimes you don't want you don't want just a bunch of faceless mooks who are really good at things. You want guys who will say their usual nonsense. Because I'll say this, the, the characters I've gotten do have some amusing little conversations. They don't last long, you have to pay attention to catch them, but they're not bad. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely some fun interaction just sort of floating past the screen. So there's some bad news and a tiny bit of good news. Oh. The, ba- the bad news is there's no longer any sales currently on Steam or GOG for Pillars of Eternity. Uh, oh. If you want the basic edition that they call the Hero Edition, though there's nothing heroic about it, it's 30 bucks. If you want to buy the White Queen Dealy separately, that's another 25 bucks. But now the good news is you can buy the definitive edition, which includes uh, the uh, the Y Queen March one and two, at least on Steam, and that is forty dollars. So it's only ten dollars more than the base game, and you'll get that plus some other goodies thrown in there uh, from the Royal Upgrade Pack, whatever the hell that is, uh, which is probably some wallpapers and ringtones and all that other jazz. Which I remember on GOG that was like a, a separate purchase thing, which kind of pissed people off because in GOG you usually get things like wallpaper and stuff for free. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They've been splitting that off a little too often for my taste. Yeah, God. yeah. So as some of these guys, but uh, uh, I did. I mean, but if you hold out for a sale, that's when when I had bought the White Queen uh, DLC. Well, was well like, as, as much as I'm sure that the Black White Friday March. sale is over. The New Year's sale is just around just the around corner. the corner. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's so that's the question, guys. Is, uh, is the New Year's part of the Christmas sale, or are they separate? Sometimes they're separate. On Pokemon, they're separate. So, so at the end of the day, is it, well, wait, did we get 
really deep into we the combat. Really we about didn't talk about combat. No, we I thought I might miss something. Yeah, let's. Yeah. We're talking about the world and the setting and all that character creation fun stuff. Okay. Yeah, so getting into combat, it's you know pause and play, uh, ye old Baldur's Gate style. They're they do a good job of fiddling with I think the norm of this sort of game where uh, you are managing the amount of time things takes. Usually, usually on the back end of it, you're adjusting how aggressively your pa- characters behave, how and how long it takes them to lead things. And then in the midst of it, it's waiting for things to die, click, reset, reorient your party, unpause, let another thing die, reorient everyone. Yeah, I like the combat in this game. I thought it was uh, taking some of the old, you know, familiar and putting some fresh coats of paint on it. Uh, Your guys have a lot more to do. You know, a lot of times at Baldur's Gate, it's kind of standing around and they just kind of hack at each other. You may use your wizard to cast a few spells. You know, Pillars has, everyone's kind of got a little thing they get skill, yeah, no. skills to use. So it's much more interactive. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of fun. There, there's a lot of greebly bits you can grab and pull on for every character and every class. And there's a good flow you can find yourself in once you know what's what and where you're going. I will say there have been a lot of complaints about the pathfinding, and it's pretty accurate because your characters are very stupid if it comes to... Oh my goodness! Should we help attack that thing that's right next to the thing we just killed? No. Yeah, they they, they kind of stand around for a round or two before they know what to do. You just kind of got to micromanage them sometimes with that. Well, and it kind of takes care. Like apparently, White March fixed a bunch of AI scripting, and you can can kind of script your character the way you could in Dragon Age. But at the end of the day, it is kind of coming down to setting your pause time, your auto pause options go off when you know the AI is going to fart around for a round. So like something dies was, I think, the best auto pause trigger I you can add or I add. It was like, OK, something is dead. What died? OK, refocus all the dudes. Sounds about how I remember it. Yeah, I suppose I should go in and change all of that. Right now, I just let it play for a little bit, pause it when I think I need to, issue some new commands, and then let it play for a while longer. Which is probably a lot more micromanaging than I need to be. Yeah, like, you, you got, it, it's more hands-on than, it, it feels more hands-on than I remember Baldur's Gate being after a while. What, what, once once your characters were, like, level 6 or 7 in Baldur's, you just kind of let it run after a couple of rounds, you knew how it would go. Yeah, it's definitely definitely more hands-on, you say, more. These guys got skills. You kind of set up skills more. So you get positioned. You can, you know, use one skill that combos with another from another character. And that's a lot of the fun I felt in the combat that was, you know, some of the older games kind of lacked. Oh, that was one thing you could, that was one thing I got really good at was uh, rem- setting the AI to do a specific action when a combo trigger would happen. Like, I think I started scripting those out pretty hard, and that's when the game got a lot easier for me. There's nothing that kind of covers that. Um, I don't think there's too much more to say about the combat without really getting to the gritty detail and the different classes kind of things I could do. I mean, you got your, like, editor, your warrior, your fighter class uses a tank and kind of do a taunt thing, get focus on them. And you got your sneak attack stuff. You have your range class stuff. You have your caster. And then you had your your bard guy and your cypher, which are a little more unique or different. And part of it is because Tyranny uses so many assets from pillars, 
a lot of the icons for skills, character skills and spells are the same, but they do different things in each game. So I'm like, I am looking at the rogue, the rogue special attack sheet, and I'm like, wait, am I remembering this from Pillars or remembering these icons from Tyranny? And they do completely <laughs> different things. Thanks, Obsidian. That's that's unnecessarily confusing. Oh, a ty- Tyranny was kind kind of shows its colors as the 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 bastard stepchild game they made between the two big projects. I mean, as far as the combat, what I can remember right now is there sure are a lot of lions roaming around. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing is you fight you fight some interesting stuff in this game. I mean, big spiders, yeah, that's that's pretty stereotypical. Yeah, wolves, sure, ogres, yeah. But I, I did not expect to see some lions wandering around right outside town. Yeah. And then we talk about the hardest battle in the game. Well, maybe not including the White March, which was dragon at the end of the stronghold dungeon, which is actually very long dungeons, and that glass dragon down there. I have not gotten there yet. I'm. I left on the eighth floor after it took me a long time to kill my first vampire. Not vampire, vampire. Very important distinction. They are yeah. absolutely nothing like a vampire. Sometimes, sometimes, guys. Like I, yeah. So sometimes, like again, I resent proper nouns. Sometimes they they're extra irksome. I, th- I think Obsidian just put that in there to fiddle with people's spell check. Oh. But I will go back in there because it's not randomly generated. It's actually, even though it's a fairly long dungeon, it's still fairly interesting. And there are shortcuts as you go through, so you don't have to tackle, tackle the whole thing in one big long rush. Yeah. Uh, so I think, what else? Uh, voice acting. I like it. There's not There's not nearly enough of it because it's good. And I'd like to hear more of these characters say their own stuff, but there's like nine novels with text in the I I can't imagine I can't imagine the bill at a thousand dollars a minute. It's still kinda weird to have a character who's speaking every line and then you get into this non mandatory question and it's only text for that one question and then they go back to speaking. Oh uh, yeah. Like you, you you can sort of tell that they had you, you knew they had to pick and choose their budget, but Sometimes it was like, oh, you're really signaling what matters by what's voiced, aren't you? Aren't yeah. This is the stuff that you have to hear. This is the stuff that you might want to hear. Like you, we, we said it, so you have to remember it. Whereas you click through this stuff, and it's like, oh, this is patter. This is patter or lore, and it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Okay, navigation is... Maybe it gets better, but I'm still kind of annoyed at having to walk to the edge of every map in order to get out of them. It takes a little while. I can't you I thought you could click up into the map level and then now yeah, you still had to wait. You had to hit it to get it to run. You had to set it to run fast time. That's probably what I need to do, but it, I still have to wait for everybody to get to the edge of the map. Yeah. It has to be everybody or else you must gather your party before venturing forth. I think that there's no way there's this is a memory issue anymore. They're doing it because they think it's funny. Well, this is the way it was done once upon a time, so that's how people still want it, right? But it's... Yeah, I know. We all must want it this way. Can't just teleport all my dudes to the next chunk of game. No, that would be unrealistic. So, Mr. Collector's Edition, do you listen to your soundtrack CD? Hmm. 
really talked about what I do with my collector edition stuff. <laughs> I know, but ah, it's actually not bad though. The soundtrack. Oh no, it, it's a good soundtrack. I don't, but I there. The, this is just one of those games where there's no reason to pull it out and on to listen to it on its own. Yeah, it's good. Good ambience, good game music. I don't know if it's good to sit around and listen to music on your own. Let's see. I've only heard it once so far, so I might wait for it to recur. But there was a pretty neat battle theme when I went for one of the bounties, which, okay, that we didn't talk about. That may have been added later. Where yeah, that, you, that's that's something in Gamma. Okay. Yeah, you add a building where some guy on your stronghold will start giving you, here, I will tell you about these super strong enemies out there that are bounties for a reason. And the first few I've tackled haven't been all that difficult. And you kill them and you get good money and good experience for it so why not but one of them did have an actual boss theme associated with it, which was pretty good and now i have to try and find it again because i didn't hear it with any of the other bounties that i've found so far but there that is something else that they made to try to tie the stronghold to the rest of the game and it still seems it, like it's a bolted on it does but it's more than was there previously so good on you obsidian and hey, I I read your review of this, Scott, and I have to say I agree. I haven't had any crashes so far, which is I know a first for an Obsidian game. It's an Obsidian game. It's the Obsidian game that doesn't crash. <laughs> Let I, that sit in your head, man. Does Pillars of Eternity two crash? I haven't heard. I haven't heard any. I have not heard any whinging about bugging. But now that they're owned by Microsoft, I assume the, their production timetables will get all screwy, and we'll be back to bugs. <laughs> well, you think with Pillars Two is basically using the same engine, so I think they've got a lot of those wrinkles all settled oh, out yeah. by now. It, well, I mean, Tyranny had some problems though, so it just because they know the engine doesn't mean they can't break it. It's true. Well, I'm sure being owned by Microsoft will do excellent things for the quality because. We all know that Microsoft checks everything and never, never rushed anything out. <laughs> never, not once on it. Never, no history of making any RPGs worse. That Microsoft Game Studios, no sirree, Bob. I can't sense any sardonicism in your voice, Scott, because there is none. You, you are speaking absolute truth. I, I am, of course, well known for my forthrightness. I'm Especially with, with regard to Microsoft. Yeah, I, I am. I am without guile or un- and uh, have nothing but good things to say about large publishers. But did you see the video where all the Obsidian people get on and say how excited they are to be part of the Microsoft team? I mean, it was so sincere and loving. <laughs> Seriously, I watched the whole thing. Oh, God, you did? <laughs> yeah. I, I, how long is it? It goes on for a while. There's lots of love. They are so excited to be part of the Microsoft team. So many new resources at their disposal that they never had before. So they can focus on what they love doing most, which is making awesome RPGs. Because, you know, they got all these resources now with Microsoft, so they don't have to focus on, you know, silly little things like building entire new engines or, you know, uh, you know, trying to find this art asset or sound asset or whatever. Because they got, they, they got this huge access now they didn't have before. They're very excited. The whole team. You need to go watch the video. It's inspiring. Well, now that Obsidian is owned by Microsoft, I'm sure Microsoft will work on licensing Star Wars briefly, just so that the reissue of Knights of the Old Republic two can be ha- can happen, and we can finally get the game as it was intended to be seen. Oh God. Ah. I uh, I don't even know. Okay, so normally Microsoft goes after these studios for the intellectual property, right? But I can't. 
I I don't think of Microsoft still has Rare, isn't it? Yeah, like like they went they didn't go after Rare because they thought Rare was a great development house. They just wanted Perfect Dark and Banjo. And I can't think like Pillars or Tyranny are being like these earth shaking IP that came out of nowhere that are gonna move Xbox Ones. They're just I don't know what Microsoft in this company. I know what I like about them, but I don't know why Microsoft will chase fish this size. I would love to to say maybe it's just Microsoft actually, somebody in a position to buy at Microsoft wanted to support this type of game, but that requires selling it on all of the investors of Microsoft, which is... Yeah, that's it. Like, that's the other problem. It's like, how how does anyone walk into a board meeting at Microsoft and say, yeah, see these B-rankers? They're going to be what sells Xboxes. Well, they probably would sell a couple thousand Xboxes. Well, like I'm, I'm. This is what's going to happen. I'm just going to be surly that it takes the next Obsidian game two years to get ported to PC. That that's what's going to happen. I don't yeah. know because a lot of the Microsoft stuff's coming out on PC and on like Xbox One at the same time. I see Microsoft becoming more of a platform. I don't know. Like con- Sun Sunset Overdrive, man. Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, but that was. I, I know kinda... they. I know they drifted away from it, but I'm still sitting there going, "Yeah, they could, they could hamstring me again." So, 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 bringing it back home to <laughs> to uh, pillars of doohickeys. Hey, it, it's kosher to the conversation, like the last couple uh, weird tracks. We- I know, right? So, 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 is there any other elements to this game that you guys want to discuss before we go into our final wrap up? Let's see the visuals. Visuals or, look very, very much like something from fifteen twenty. Yeah, like it, it's really dedicated to being a four K version of a twenty year old game. And and I know you mentioned earlier that uh, that there's a kingdom castle keep mechanic, whatever have you, that our games did a bit. Or did, did did you go into details on that? Yeah, we talked about it some. Yeah. Okay. I guess I can t- I can say more on it here. You, once you find it, you have the ability to start paying money into renovating it, and the more you renovate it, apparently the bigger your prestige becomes, but also the bigger target for potential bandits. And occasionally you'll get told, oh no, the, three days out, there is this band of bandits that wants to attack your stronghold, and you can come back and fight them, or you can let some people you've hired do the job for you, and if you if you let them do it and they fail then they'll probably wreck something and you have to build it again. Well, that sounds super exciting. Yeah, it's basically your hub. You got your you unlock vendors there. You can upgrade it with money. Then you get shipments yeah. of stuff in. It's it's you, a money sink. Oh, oh, and you can rest for free there. Yep. Talk to your companions there. It, 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 is it really free after all that upkeep you pay for? Well, well pay- all you have to do is rest there repeatedly. And the more you rest, if you manage to rest, what is it, uh, 15 or so times, then you have made up for all the money that it took to restore the barracks. Yeah. And, oh, yes, yes, yes. I gather this has improved because it's not so bad for me. Load times. How were they in the original edition? I actually didn't notice too much of a problem. Same. Yeah. Okay. I noticed when I initially load my save file for starting it, then it takes a while, a good minute or so. You have, uh, are you on an SSD or are you on a traditional hard drive? 
traditional hard. That's probably why. I'm on an SSD, so I didn't really notice to me. But that's just the initial load. Once it's going, it doesn't take that long. But I saw somebody griping about endless load screens, so I figured I should bring it up. So at, at the end of it all, what do you all think? Is it is it worth the asking price at $25 for the base and another, what was it, 20 Wait, was it $30 for the base and 25 I want to say, for... Well, we yeah. didn't really get into White Queen too far, but what about the base? Is the base worth it? Definitely. I would. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it's not a perfect game, but it's a really good game. And uh, it scratched that itch. I've always loved the Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale-style games, Infinity Engine. So it did a lot of those things right. It improved on a lot of the mechanics. The uh, characters were well-written. Uh, the production values are fairly good for that style of game. Uh, overall, I had a pretty pretty overall positive experience yeah i i think i uh so i I pulled up my old review uh and it's i I gave it a three and a half then and i'll stand by that i will say that it is pretty good so at 30 bucks yeah if if you are down for more infinity engine game this this is definitely one way to go and how do you feel about it mr minky i haven't played a game like this in a little while and i'm just remembering that i really like exploring this place in depth and seeing all the stuff that there is to discover and this game does it really well the narrative as a whole is not really gripping me but it is well told and i gotta say it's very well made so far it does an excellent job of being what the kickstarter promised this is a throwback rpg we're not going to have any of that newfangled crap to make it look like it cost $50 million for every cutscene, and I enjoy that. I I can't really say that everyone enjoys it, because that's clearly not the case, but I'm into it. Oh, sounds like we got some great support. Definitely something uh, I need to check out. I played, I just recently did a playthrough of Icewind, as you all know from listening to a lot of shows, uh, Icewind Dale 1 and 2, so uh, maybe I'll get back into that. Infinity Engine stuff. I had to take a break after Icewind 2, though, of just Icewind Dale, huh? Uh, I missed something on that game. Uh, Anywho, well, thank you, gentlemen, very much. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with our Blast from the Recent Past segment. This is the last of the recent past. We pull up a gamer three from around two years ago, and we tell you whether or not it's worth your time, or keep it on your wish list, or pulling it off your backlog to play. Our first game on the list is a God Eater Two. 
this was uh, released on the PlayStation Portable, uh, PlayStation Vita, later came out on PlayStation 4 with God, e- God Eater 2 Rage Burst. Uh, and it came out here originally in North America on August 30th, 2016. We're a couple of months behind on these. What can I tell you? Uh, this is a, this is essentially, you know, it says action RPG. <laughs> this is, well, let's be fair here. This is a Monster Hunter ripoff uh, experience, multiplayer, single player, however you want to play it. And, uh, and I, you know what? I, I, I like it. I, I like it. I play God Eater. Uh, I got it because, you know, I was looking for a way to play Monster Hunter with my PC friends. And this was before Monster Hunter World, uh, was released, uh, on the PC. And trying to look for some alternatives so I could show them, you know, what makes Monster Hunter fun, cool, exciting, the idea of you're taking out these big monsters. There weren't, weren't a whole lot of PC alternatives at the time. I think there was Talkadin. Uh, maybe the first or second one, I don't remember, but it was, it was very, very expensive and you just didn't see it go on the, the Black Friday or anything sales, but God Eater, there's a couple of others that I'm probably missing out on, but I just remember looking up at Steam and just trying to find something we could actually play together that was still, you know, multiplayer capable and all that. And there just wasn't a lot of choices on PC, but God Eater, uh, and one and two, uh, would often go on sale. So I bought them as a two pack and bought a couple extra copies for my brothers so we could get online and play together. Uh, it, it's, it's, the idea is still kind of like the Monster Hunter World thing where you will pick from a variety of weapons, though not quite the deep variety you'll find in Monster Hunter, and you'll go out and you'll hunt down these gigantic uh, monsters. Uh, but there is uh, one thing that this has over Monster Hunter is that it has a, a deep story. It, it plays out in these anime kind of cutscenes uh, that happen in between, as well as um, a lot of talking with the with the characters and NPC in between your missions. Uh, bad, uh, and I'm horrible at remembering any of these terms because, as you guys were pointing out, Pillars of Eternity, there's a different noun for everything. And, and and that's where I just kind of get lost. But essentially, the 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 monsters through for reasons, uh, chromosomes, reasons, whatever, uh, are taking over most of the world. And there's just kind of these pockets of humanity left. And you are uh, you are a, a hunter or god eater that's able to go out there and take these things on. And and Monster Hunter, some of the Monster Hunter games kind of have a story. Maybe four is the best one. Uh, which kind of keeps things moving, but it's ultimately pretty for- forgettable. Uh, God Eater games, uh, the the story's a little bit deeper, and you kind of want to know what's going on. And I think they have some animes or uh, mangas or whatever have you that even gives you you know more uh, if you want more of that story. As far as the the gameplay, uh, big monsters, and you have a weapon. What's really cool about the weapon, uh, whether it's the there's like this big huge sword or a spear, is that they could transform. Uh, with a press of a button into a range weapon. So you've always got ranged options, which does take energy that you'll have to recharge. It's not too hard to recharge. But you kind of flip back and forth. You can take some items into combat like you can. Uh, you know, I must try not to say Monster Hunter anymore. But, uh, uh, and you'll go and you take on these big monsters. And uh, there's there's quite a few to, to, to go. You beat them up. You get some parts from them. You go and you build better weapons and work your way through the storyline, rinse and repeat. Uh, but definitely expect more storyline, more cutscenes, and more text uh, than some of the other games that are similar to it. The one huge disappointment, though, and oh my gosh, this is a huge disappointment, was uh, the fact that we could not get the multiplayer to keep a constant connection. 
We just kept running into issues with starting missions together, staying connected. I, I just remember getting incredibly frustrated. We were looking up, you know, how to fix this, how to do workarounds. We were trying different things like quickly going through the summary screen because maybe that's what was disconnecting us. Uh, but we were just trying all these different things just to try to stay together. So we were fighting together and we just kept getting into one issue after the other. When it worked, it was fun, but it was you know, when it wasn't working, it was incredibly frustrating. And ultimately, we gave up and said, okay, we'll wait for Monster, you know, Hunter World to come out. And so, and then we got Monster Hunter World and it had connection issues. And as, <laughs> but as bad as those were, it wasn't as bad as, as yeah, God Eater 2. Funny thing is we're playing, uh, I'm playing Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate on the Switch with my brother. And after playing with him for three hours solid, I said, so what do you think? I know it's not as graphical you know, as as Monster Hunter World and stuff like that, or smooth. And he's like, "Bro, we played for three hours and we didn't get disconnected. This is awesome." Unfortunately, you're not going to have that. So with with God Eater, it, 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 you know, if you're looking for, well, I'm I'm sure now five years from now those servers they're still there and ready and raring to go. And, uh, you know, we just as I said, like we played this, we played this just maybe I want to say at the beginning of the year. Uh, or really close to it, and we were having all these these issues, and yeah, it was it was pretty frustrating. Uh, it really was. If you if you're looking for a game that uh, you know, I, I forgot to mention graphics. The graphics, uh, you know, this is I think is originally you know the series definitely was originally PSP, and yeah, well, this, this was a Vita game. Yeah, and you can tell this is not going to blow your mind away with the graphics. It, it honestly, it looks like a PlayStation Three uh, game. Uh, maybe even early PlayStation 3, to be honest. Uh, so it, it isn't going to get you with, with the graphics. It really is kind of the gameplay loop along with the story that kind of pushes you along. And if you don't mind playing uh, Monster Hunter games single player, uh, it, 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 you know, buy it on sale. It's worth it to play through the story and see if it hooks you. I would just grab it on a sale. Just put it on your Steam wish list, grab it for 5 or 10 bucks on a sale, and see if you like it. The first and the second one. They kind of go hand in hand. I think it's 13 this Ah, so there you go. But uh, but if you're if you're kind are of, you going to trust that the connection issues have been fixed? I was going to say if you if you are the kind of person that only likes to play Monster Hunter style games with your friends, which is a huge draw of those games, skip it. Don't don't even bother. It is it was just so frustrating. And no, I don't trust that they fixed it because we played it. I mean, you figure it had been released at that point for oh, over a year. Was long enough for them to fix issues and the net code or whatever have you, but not so long that they turned off the servers. So. Yeah, no, frustrating. Just, no. <laughs> Just don't. Find something else. Play Monster Hunter World. That's on PC now. Play something. That one has connections. Shoot. It's tough to find a good Monster Hunter type of game on PC that doesn't have that connection issue. But God Eater was just was worse than Monster Hunter World. Uh, just and Monster Hunter World's probably settled down by now. We had those issues with Monster Hunter World on PlayStation Four. And I think it's just the servers getting overloaded. Maybe haven't really gone back and tried it. You know, now that we're kind of done with it, just not enough depth there to keep us going for years. But yeah, but there's there's my opinion on God Eater Doohickey Dose. Uh, the next game on our list, which I'm sure somebody else will want to talk about, is Darkest Dungeon. This was developed by Red Hook Studios, published by Merge Games. Uh, this was released on Microsoft Windows on January 19th, uh, 2016 on the PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita on September 27, 2016, which is why it's kind of showing up on our list as two years just about for that one. Uh, but you're now also seeing a pop out Nintendo Switch on January 18th, 2018, Xbox One, February 28th, 2018. This is a single player. I, I, I do want to point out iPad. 
Uh, iPad, August 24, 2017. It's all over the place. And this is a single-player dungeon RPG experience. I think it was Mr. Scott who is here to tell us whether or not that is worth your time. So, uh, last, so uh, two years ago, uh, for Game of the Year, I put this number one on, I think, every category. This was my, my number one pick of that year. Wow. Uh, this, this game just oozes mood and everything about it hits that tone in hard and it, it pushed my buttons it pushed my buttons this game knew how to really get to me it pushed your buttons while it was pushing your sanity oh yeah it pushed my sanity so this is a game where you inherit a completely blighted town and adventurers show up and you tell them what to do and they die or go crazy but maybe they just eke out a little bit of progress against, you know, the hordes of badness that has infested the area. And the art style is super, you know, heavy lines and grim and really Mike Mignola. The music's great and the sound just emphasizes how bad everything is. And it has this cool narrator voice guy who just makes you feel bad about everything. It's great. I love it is the most fun you will ever have not doing well at videos yeah yeah people uh seem to die or get inflicted with all kinds of issues from what i understand oh yeah and then you just throw them away kick them to the curb you you (laughs) you chew them up and spit them out but scott i like my characters i've grown attached to them yeah but he's also got the pox and the shakes so he needs to go uh and I the can't really argue you... with that, Scott. If you've got the pox, I'm going to get rid of you. And and <laughs> Andy's a vampire. Andy's <laughs> got whatever tentacle beasties the new DLC adds. Uh, but yeah, you can name your characters. Don't name your characters. <laughs> Don't name your character. Don't get attached to them. Is that what you're saying? Like, like, this isn't like XCOM, where you have a reasonable expectation that any character you name could make it pretty far. Uh-huh. Is this game? No. No. You are like... And there's, there's like, a viable strategy in which you send um, guys that you might be a little bit redundant in terms of your character class makeup into a dungeon that they're just barely qualified to do with no torches. Go as deep as you can, collecting way more loot than you would normally get because you don't have... Because torches make things, make things harder, but you get rewarded for it. And then... When they come back out, you take all their stuff and chew them away and recruit four fresh guys and do it again. You build up a cache of just useful stuff that then you need to your high-level guys and they can go wreck the uh, missions that have, that advance the story. Well, that sounds like you're you're treating human as just, you know human beings as just cattle to further your own selfish ends. Yes, it's it's this nice parallel to the ancestor who you inherited the house from, who also just abused everyone around him for his own nefarious ends. Cyclical themes. <laughs> Push the theme harder, games. Do it. Don't be a stupid Kickstarter game that has a billion features that don't advance your theme. Oh my I, gosh, you just brought back the memories of that Underworld Ascendant game again. Uh. Darkest Dungeon was also a Kickstarter game by the way and it and th- this is how you do it this, this is how oh wait it wasn't a case was it yeah no it was it was hmm 
Yeah, now everyone's looking. Wait, do I have it? I have it on Geo. You should get it. You should get it. It, yeah. it actually plays really nicely on a tablet. Like, a lot of how you play it is friendly to clicking and dragging. Like, I, I even as I played it the first time, it was still in early access. Like, no, this would be a real tablet game. I would on a tablet. Uh, if you don't have it, as much as it goes on sale, the tablet version tends to include most of the DLC for free. It's priced as a tablet game, so expensive by app store standards nothing can see it or on so for for those people who are looking to get into this uh can you speak to the various dlc options are they worth it okay so they they just i i have not fired it up i bought color out of madness uh, but i have not fired it up since buying that uh, but crimson court adds uh the gardens to the grounds the estate and the gardens are full of vampires, and the vampires are uh, horrible, blood-sucking inte- insects dressed like Baroque aristocrats, which is so on-the-nose cool. And uh, so the big the big wrinkle is that now your characters can become afflicted with vampirism, so you now have to keep a supply of blood around for them to use, and you have to navigate the maze of the gardens to get into the middle and eliminate progressively bigger nastier bug aristocrats while learning the backstory of your ancestor and his fling with the Countess and how that went badly for everyone. Yeah, it doesn't sound like there's anything at all possibly that could go wrong with that. There's a freakish crocodile monster. There's also a hive of insects in a swamp, and you have to fight these a lot. They're really hard, but it's a encounter every time. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. And you guys have like 15 different ways to go out and play and experience this game. Oh yeah, it, it's everywhere, and you owe it to yourself to try it at least. If if you were buying, if you had, you know, uh, let's say multiple consoles, you had a Switch or a home console or PC, do you have a preference on how you would buy it now? I I haven't heard anything about how it, the console version got optimized. I don't know if there's some sort of horrible glitch in the Xbox where no one else. Gets no, but that. I mean, do, would you think you prefer to play it on your couch or on a computer or on a handheld? I I think uh, there's something to be said for being 18 inches from your monitor in a dark room with your headphones on as you know you eke out the barest of victories and the voice the, the narrative voice comes in it's like a close a small victory but victory nonetheless mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. but i mean i suppose you could get the same thing out of playing that like on a vita in a dark room with your i think the bigger screen would probably might, might draw you a little bit more into it if you yeah that, that sounds pretty like scary if you had the lights turn out you have a bigger screen and kind of absorb you in That'd be pretty cool. Cool. Well, everybody go out and, and buy that one. And uh, buy a guide eater on a sale if you don't care about multiplayer a whole lot. That's our recommendations. There was also uh, a Shin Megami Tensei for Apocalypse on the list, which none of us have really played. But we all know it's a good game, so I can get that too. Uh, unless you just don't like Shin Megami. Tough games. Anywho, uh, we're going to take another break and we'll come back to wrap this up with the final act.
voices. Final Avenue, we just kind of talk. Kitchen, sink stuff, shoot the breeze. We'd read your comments. But there were no comments on the last show. No one wanted to talk about Etrian Odyssey. <laughs> Don't know why. They thought it was about Captain EO and ran away. <laughs> yeah, right? That's funny. Wait, did you write something about Captain EO in the spiel there, Minky? Is that what you did? No, but everyone's afraid of anything with the uh, acronym EO now. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Uh. Anywho, go back and listen to our Etrian Odyssey podcast because it was fun. Uh, but let's do. We did some... have fun. We did have fun. We we did we do that's what we do at our fun was had. We 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 have a lot of fun and we do a lot of reviews. You can go check our website. We got Sacred Earth Promise review, Darksiders three cross code review. We got impression of the ballads the ballad singer uh pokemon let's go eevee which i know everyone's dying to read mercenary wings the false phoenix review all by people who love rpgs go and check it out uh but let's do our little round table and we haven't talked to two guys in a while so i'm sure they have lots to catch up on so let's uh let's give mr john a chance to speak so uh i guess right now what came out today i'm like happy about is the first battletech dlc i also Ooh, well, first of all, first of all, start off by telling me, did you, because that was something I kickstarted, but I haven't had a chance to actually play, oh, play it. Is it good? Because I've oh, heard yeah. some mixed things on the, the base game itself. I love it. Really? I, I didn't have a problem with the base, but but I'm, I'm, I just booted up Flashpoint today, and I'm like, yeah. So Flashpoint does, is taking it up another notch? It, more it, mechs, it, more stuff. Look quicker. Still does that frustrating thing where it resolves knockdown after all the other animations have played. <laughs> all right, John. So start us off from the top. What do you? What? what so tell us what you're going to say. What, what do you like and stuff about BattleTech? Well, I mean, I've always loved the BattleTech IP. I played the board game as a kid back in early '90s, and I dug out my old BattleTech starter set. And all. you know, I love tactical style games. It's not perfect. My biggest gripe on it is that you're limited to a lance, which is one squad of four mechs. And while that seemed fine, later in the game especially, you go up against like sometimes eight to ten to twelve mechs. And so the game really encouraged you to use heavy and assault mechs because they just had enough armor to withstand that much fighting. And it kind of devalued, or not kind of, it really devalued lighter and medium mechs just because they did not have the armor to withstand a long drag-out fight. Um, now in real battle tech, the in tabletop and games like Mech Warrior, yada yada, light mechs are pretty valuable due to their mobility and their evasion. Well, they try to put evasion in these games, and it works for a little bit. But every time a, a mech gets shot at, they lose an evasion. Well, you get like three or four evasion maybe on a guy, and, and you're fighting you know ten mechs. They focus fire him, and he's dead pretty quick. And it's just, it's like, they're just going to die. So you got to use big mechs. You got to use, um, there's a mech ability called Stalwart or whatever. It's your guts ability that you, well, if you they, stand there, you take half damage. So you almost had to have that skill. Well, they, they just patched it so that yep. that would not be the case. Correct. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Flashpoint's also added a bunch of, um, like, random so there's a lot of random missions and story missions so there's some random missions that you just pick up like mercenary missions that kind of string off one another so they've added more like story-like content and your random mission be cool because they're admittedly they did get a little stale after a while playing the campaign well you you see the same maps pop up too right Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking of the highway by the lake 
Yep, so and then the 3D Max, and then they added a career mode, which is what I'm doing. So I'm not playing the campaign. You basically just start as a, as a mercenary, you know, team, and you get, you know, five starter mechs, five or six starting uh, mech warrior pilots, and then I put it on like, Iron Man mode, and uh, if your mech core gets blown up, you lose your mech. So I've kind of made it a little more, or a little less forgiving. So I'm going to see how that goes, because before you could... Oh, I also did it to where if you um, salvage a mech, you don't get all the weaponry at the same time. So you actually have to uh, fit it. Otherwise, it, it never made sense to me that I get these three mech components, I put them together, and suddenly it's fully armed with like lasers and missiles and all that. I was like, what are those coming from? kitted, yeah. Right, so I took that, I used that option to, to not do that in this uh, playthrough. So they've added some of those little little things that some you know players felt were weird about the game. Um, but I've only been playing it a little bit tonight, so I can't comment too much on it yet. Maybe in the future I will. Oh, yeah. The other thing I've been doing a lot... Or sorry, were you going to say something about it? Well, I'm, I'm going to say that it, it brings back the Hatchet Man. Oh, yeah. Hatchet Man. That's some old school mech warrior in right there. Oh, yeah. I haven't found the Hatchet Man. Let's oh, that's that's my goal. Like, I, I'm not considering this DLC beaten until I have, like, so many Hatchet Men. Nothing but Hatchet Men. I wonder how much... one crab. I wonder how much better their melee is going to be. Oh, I think it's got to be, like, dangerous, right? should be. Like, like un- unfairly good, it's got to be. You'd hope so. Uh, otherwise, you know, give it an advantage of melee due to the his little melee weapon he's got. So Melee is already pretty strong in this game. Yeah. And uh, video game-wise, um, what else? I've played some other games like Battle, the new Battlefield, because I have the EA Pass, and I tried Red Dead Redemption 2. Not a huge fan. Just it's me. Like I can appreciate the quality of the game. I can appreciate the detail on the production level. It's just those Rockstar games never really do it for me. But um, but you get to ride around on a horse. Did you did you not notice that you get to ride yeah. a horse and it looks really good? Oh, it looks great. The game looks amazing. Horse and you get to brush it. And wash it. Did you notice that? Oh, I've done it. Yeah. It's like fully authentic horsey experience. <laughs> I am looking forward to the DLC, though, where you get to actually pick up after his droppings. I'm excited about that. I, they do shit all over the place. I, I know, right? <laughs> but I want to be able to clean up after it because I care about my environment. I mean, you have to do it in my neighborhood. If the dog takes a crap, I have to clean it up. No, is, isn't there like a mission where you have to clean up after Hog at a side quest? You have to shovel and cart manure around? Totally should be. You probably do. I haven't gotten to that point. But I've had it to where I call my horse, he runs up to me and just shits on the ground. Gotta... <laughs> he waits till he's in right sight of you. And... He's shitting with excitement. Uh-huh. It's totally fine. My cat does that every time I see him. I'm like, here, can you Go! Oh, I should have caught, took it down a notch. Now, the one other thing I've been doing is spending a lot of my time... It's newer since the last time I've been on is uh, tabletop miniatures. So I've been playing a game called Infinity. And uh, the so I, for those who aren't know that much or all into that, it's I guess the closest analog would be something like Warhammer, Warhammer 40k. But Infinity is more of a skirmish game. And I my best comparison would be to like call it XCOM tabletop version. And uh, as far as the way the combat does, but to me you get to do more because you're kind of talking it out so there's a lot of its intent like okay uh, my guy can move up to four inches on his first move he, he moves to this way he peeks the corner just enough to see your guy and he peeks back and then your opponent has any any unit that can see your guy has a reaction 
So every so during your opponent's turn, you get to do stuff, which is cool. Or most of those games, you just sit there and as the other guy just rolls dice and he blows up your guys, right? So this, you you kind of react. So you got to the strategy and the layers of tactics is different, I think, and more engaging because of that reaction and there's a chance that yeah, I may give myself better odds, but I can get shot back too and get my guy killed. And uh, so I've been doing that and getting to the hobby of you know assembling them and painting and kind of getting that artistic enjoyment that I've never really had. And so I've been having a good time with that. Sweet. Have you done anything uh, on the website uh, lately you want to shout out to our audience about? Lately, no. Okay. I think the most recent thing I did an Avalon interview for the Pathfinder game. Oh, yeah. I uh, you, you asked a couple questions for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Pathfinder Kingmaker, I did an interview with Chris Avalon who, uh, who wrote some characters and did some other support for the uh, for that game. Chris Avalon, everyone stretch goal. Yep, he's that freelance stretch goal now. Or I, not even he's not even a stretch goal. He's just like the way they they use him. The- we are launching a Kickstarter, and here's Chris Avalon. <laughs> yep. Have you have you played it? I haven't. I've uh, I'm interested in it, but I've heard mixed things. Mixed things. Like, That's exactly what I was going to use. Yeah, I have. We have one guy on our Discord, by the way. Uh, if you head over to rpgamer.com, click on community, uh, there's a link there to join our Discord uh, channel where we almost always have people chit-chatting about uh, RPGs. But and, and, and I'm blanking. I apologize if he's listening to uh, whatever nickname he has, but uh, he talks to me a lot about Kingmaker. And I kind of go back and forth. It's really funny because he's telling me these things that in some cases sound absolutely horrible, but then he's like, oh, and I'm going to play it again with this character build. I'm like, well, wait, it's wait, you want to play it a second time. So it sounds exciting. But on the other hand, all this crap you told me along the way sounded like I wanted to slip my wrist. Well, what I've seen is that it's got some really cool things going for it, but it's also got some buggy issues and some weird design decisions. Like uh, I think not end even though combat's over. Yeah, and I think there's and there's like a timer at some point or the game to where if you you can kind of back yourself into an unwinnable situation. I yeah, think. the kingdom the kingdom building thing, which is it's interesting. Like, so I run a lot of Pathfinder uh, games, and Kingmaker is like one of the more complicated ones. If I was gonna get if I was trying to coach a new DM, that would not be the campaign I'd want to hand him. I want to hand him something that's a little bit more straightforward and doesn't have this whole kingdom building thing. And the funny thing was when that came out. Uh, anybody who played it realized uh, that it was very unbalanced. Well, um, they don't really get to playtest these campaigns a whole lot when they release them. So when they add all these extra mechanics, you really need strong DMs who can kind of see where the things are starting to go off the rails and make the necessary adjustments to keep it somewhat interesting and engaging. Uh, and it kind of for, for, it's really funny when he was kind of describing some of that plus reading and some reading some of the reviews uh griping about that kingdom building thing like you said you can back yourself up into a corner and save it and y- yeah you, you could be really hosed on the kingdom side of it um that that could be that could be very frustrating yeah you, you could spend hours and hours and hours and hours in the game and then be like oh well it's fun yeah yeah so multiple saves over periods of time boys and girls is a lesson here. Now, to their credit, I do remember reading uh, their patch notes, and they were lengthy, and they were addressing some of the bugs. I know they were addressing some of the, the early difficulty 
you know, so being an old-fashioned Pathfinder game, there are things like, for example, swarms. Uh, a swarm hits a level one party. Swarms can only really be damaged by area effect spells. They can be damaged somewhat by bludgeoning weapons, but if you were silly enough just to go with, you know, let's say bows and arrows and swords, you're pretty much hosed with a swarm of ants or bees. They're, you're not going to be able to kill them off with your with your sword. Um, and so, yeah, if you're playing this game for the first time, you're kind of new, and and you run into a swarm. You run into the swarm of spiders pretty damn early. My understanding is, yeah, game over. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing says welcome to pathfinder <laughs> like throwing new players so who took burning hands none of you none of you all right <laughs> start over <laughs> <laughs> reload so uh i i know that they kind of uh address some of that tapered some of that down uh and, and hopefully you know squish some of those bugs it might be something that if you just give them some more time to cook it in the oven it'll become a more compelling experience but I look forward to reading your interview. I now got it pulled up. I know you asked me the question. I never went to check it out. Otherwise, I'm guilty. I didn't go and actually read it. So I'm going to have to do that now. All right, cool. How about how about you, Mr. Scott? What's new with you? Uh, so uh, I 2-5 I up Battletech. Actually, keep your eye out. Probably around the same time this episode comes out, I will probably have a video uh, on the RP Gamer YouTube channel about me playing some Battletech and talking about... Um, both Flashpoint as a new thing and also my weird ideas surrounding uh, what I'm going to call games going gamma. Hey, one thing I would say, if you ever wanted to do a video, uh, we could do like a multiplayer Battletech match or something. Ooh, we, we could also... Actually, let's see if we can bug Anna for the Twitch password, mm-hmm. and then we can have some live multiplayer night. Yeah, I, I'd be down. Hey, I'm really glad that you guys really talked up. Uh, yeah, I pulled up the Battletech, uh, at least on GOG. I haven't looked on Steam. Um, it's 30% off, so it's $27. And, yeah, it's same on Steam. And and I know on, on GOG, it got 3.7. It's sitting at 3.7 stars out of 5, which, generally speaking, that's that's not super good. That's not like RP Gamer 3.7. It never feels like it to me anyways. When, when the user reviews get below 4, it usually means the game's pretty mediocre. But it's yeah. nice to hear you guys really talk it up and well, say... The Some GOG is, is definitely a community that it is. 5 stars or 1 star. Yeah. Yeah, and some of those bad, bad, uh, bad, you know, like one of them gave it a 1 out of 5 because it didn't have 21-9 ratio support. Yeah, there's a yeah. few things like that, and I think they have fixed a lot of that stuff. Uh, there's also a case where a lot of people are pissed at it because you can have a they acronym. And oh, so yeah. oh, there was that. that. You could, and then they they did something else where there didn't look like there was a blonde hair option for characters. And so you had some people that are just pissed off over stupid. Well, I, I feel like this one review though, that's a one star is very justified by its text because it says laggy buggy SJW game. Yeah. yeah. That's totally mature. And it, <laughs> it, and it definitely launched really laggy. And even as they've tightened it up and included more options for the player to tighten up animate, there's still that thing that it does where it's like, why, why do you resolve the animations one at a time why do we have to wait the extra 10 seconds to see the knockdown hmm. but if you uh, like the, the, the tactics of it that's probably not going to bring your score down to like a one out of five stars oh yeah well the, this the guy used SJ, sjw the fact that the game is buggy is almost irrelevant to him he saw that they were including you know broader options for gender pronouns than he wants and that's what's destroying america oh. So give it one out of five stars, even though it's a fun game. Yes, yeah. because you don't like whatever. Well, you need to ma- you need to make a statement with your views, or else this crap will keep infiltrating our society and winning. Right? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, gotta let you gotta let us all know one star because you can't let anyone feel welcome. Uh, uh, other things I'm playing, I'm playing the Spider-Man, the PS4 Spider-Man DLC for that was last week. How's that? Uh, the, the new DLC was short and kind of frustrating. Like a lot, there there were a couple of sections that felt unfairly hard. Like the um, the the base, one of the bases was just like, oh, by the way, here have three brutes with gatlings over the course of the last two waves have fun with that um and the stealth screwball challenge is not cool it's just not cool uh it seems it's still more spider-man so i got to swing around new york and you know now i'm dressed up like uh the, the the iron spider Oh, well, then that makes it that, that, that sounds like it make it worth. I like the Iron Spider. Uh, it seems like to me like it, a, a lot of games lately, not all of them, but there definitely seem to be a lot of games where uh, where the DLC just doesn't seem to be worth it. But the base game is awesome. Do you feel like this is one of those situations or do you think at least the different outfits make it worth it? Uh, I think I, I really like the first part of the deals. Like they're doing three pieces of over three months mm. and the first one i was just as happy with as the main game it's just, this is short and there are two missions in here that are really hard and i was not happy about it mm. so i'm hoping the third one is a little bulkier evens out just some of the more posy enemies or i'll finally pay for the upgrade that makes float you throw the floaty grip <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's definitely, I, I, I just haven't gotten around to getting that game, but it does look really cool. I mean, I just like comics. Not a big fan of open world games anymore, but, but it's Spider-Man, and it just looks really cool. You can collect his old high school backpacks, and they're all full of, like, in-joke or shout-out to issue a previous Spider-Man game. Nice. You, you will find one of Peter's old backpacks, and inside is a child's drawing of Spider-Man rescuing a balloon, and I'm like... God damn it, little girl from Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Cute. Uh, other things I've been playing is Overload, which is one of three revivals of Descent. Speaking of old school PC mm-hmm. games, anyone here played Descent? Oh yeah, 360 degrees of insanity. Yeah, yeah. So Overload is the one made by actual guys from Descent uh-huh. staff, as opposed to the Descent that comes out in spring which doesn't feature anyone and then there's also sub level zero which the roguelike one so overload is much more straightforward you go around in the crazy base you shoot all the evil robots and you find audio logs that explain the story and then you go to the next base after you blow it up it's it's descent two but shiny looking that that's all i that that is a thing i have that makes me happy to have Dan, and go back you, to my nine-year-old self and say, "Hey, you'll get to play another one." Right? And do you still <laughs> feel your side getting lost of like which which way is up, which way is down? Well, there, there's actually there there's a bit of quality of life. The map is good at displaying not just the map the map of the space, but how you are positioned in it. And okay. there is like a handy little like drone guy you can summon. It'll be like, just point me towards where the key is, and he'll take you to the room. Oh. Okay, all right, that sounds awesome because I know I like the idea of descent, and I played it for a, 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 a you know a, a few hours, but I, I was constantly getting frustrated because I would get lost. I, I'm just the 360 degrees really did just I'm already bad well, enough with those first person dungeon uh, crawlers sometimes, but holy shiz! Well, a big part of descent, getting lost in descent, is that 
there's only two wall textures. Yeah, that doesn't and help. Two no. door models. So yeah. <laughs> it was it was easy to get confused, whereas here you can at least keep pace of okay, no, no, when I came in here the first time I came through that wall and I did that door, so I haven't gone to that door. Let's do that. Ooh. And uh yeah, you can you can and yeah, you get to sit on uh, GOG, those are ten bucks. I, that's where I bought them and replayed them again, just for kicks and giggles. But this one, what would you say this one was called again? Overload. Overload. I Overload? think that might only be on Zoom. So twenty-five percent off, and yeah. uh, that's twenty-five percent off. It's thirty bucks. Oh wait, no, twenty-five percent off. Not at the moment. It was just saying that on Google. Bad Google not updating fast enough. It looks great, though. I'm just watching this person playing this video, and it's, like you said, so many bright and vibrant colors. You're right. Wow, just the textures and everything. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, definitely. That looks awesome. Thanks for the recommend there. Uh, that, that's kind of what I've been up to. Otherwise, it's scrolling around. But house. are you playing it with VR? I am not. I don't have a VR headset, and if I had that kind of money, I think there are other things I would get first. I'd like to add a second monitor to my home office setup. Up. I'd like beef a few things up in the home theater department, but nah, nah, I'm not going to VR yet. Yeah, don't blame you. Not doing it myself either. I just saw that as, was an as option. Much as everyone says uh, Tetris effect is brilliant. Thing. Oh yeah, they were texting Tetris me in VR at work. Like Phil, I'm getting Tet. I'm getting VR. Just play Tetris effect. I'm like, God, God bless your heart. Cool. How about uh, how about you, Mr. Minky? Well, you mentioned that one of the things on the site is a Sacred Earth promise for you. I wrote that. And, and was and it promising? In certain ways. This is interesting. Um, after you beat this game, certain things pop up in the options menu that allow you to read a few messages from the developers. And one developer in the particular, the writer, says, oh, I've been tweaking around with this setting for years. I first started scribbling around with this stuff in high school. And she had... She, he, I can't even remember. But the writer has been tweaking around with Sacred Earth stuff for over 10 years now and has made lots of other games with it. Just none of them were ever released before. This is the first one that has actually been released for you to play, which probably explains why, if you play it, you'll probably be wondering certain things about the setting and the characters, and, you'll want, and well, you just should have been privy to those games that were never released, apparently, or else it would all make more sense. Having said that, I don't dislike the game. It's just more of something that is promising, and I kind of hope leads into a sequel that improves greatly on it than something that I can really recommend for its own sake, which, especially when there's no mouse or controller support, so that I have to keep clicking the arrow keys on its kind of drab dungeon designs, which are just click between nodes, which are very boring. But, yeah, I, I have played a heck of a lot worse, I'll say that. And next up... Well, Alex, I guess was thanking me for doing some low bra some uh lower profile Steam stuff because he gave me a review code for World of Final Fantasy on Steam, which I will now have to play and review. That will be interesting, I'm sure. Yay, chibis. And wait, okay, I'm losing track of the chibi Final Fantasy. Which one is this one? It's the chibi one. It totally I know, is. But there, no, there's there's other chibi ones. No, but it's like the it's the one, one that isn't Final Fantasy 15. No, the, but there's the chibi <laughs> one that is also full of microtransactions. That's on your phone. This is on the computer. No, I thought World of Final Fantasy was ported to phones as well. I don't think so. World of Final. I don't. 
Maybe it has. I, maybe I just missed it, but I don't think so. Because it came out on like the Vita first, kind of like a Vita thing. And it's just been spreading slowly throughout other consoles. And I guess because now it's on Steam. that's what Square Enix does now, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now this one is not on phones. All right. Yeah. It is definitely chibi, though. It is chibi. It's kind of like chibi. It's kind of kind of like a Pokemon stacking. It's Pokemon separate capturing things, and you can stack them. You can stack them on top of each other in combat. Looking forward to Mickey's review of that. This is one where you can recruit a whole bunch of monsters that are chibi and put them into stacks and have them fight for you, I think. Yeah. I haven't done much with it yet because I've been playing this thing called Pillars of Eternity, but I will be playing it soon. And then you can look forward to a review for that coming up on this. And I'll tell you if anything is notably different. Actually, I won't tell you if anything is notably different because this is the only version of it I've played. But yeah. Playing or not. I'm sorry, I just don't have enough time in my life that I want to go play each and every version of World of Final Fantasy so that I can tell you how they differ. Do it all, Mike. Do it all. All of them. At once. Mm-hmm. You know, there might have been a time when I was able to do that, but my my Square Enix devotion, assuming it was ever there to begin with, is gone. I just, I can't say to myself, Square Enix does nothing that is worth that is worthless, and I must try all of it. That phase of my life is long, long gone. <laughs> when did it die, Mike? Was it Final Fantasy thirteen by chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it predated Final Fantasy Thirteen. That didn't help. <laughs> I'll come up with exactly what Final Fantasy Eight. Nah, mm, that couldn't be it. Nah, no, that was a classic. I, I, I'm now watching. I'm I'm now watching uh, the introduction video for Chibi Kristis just to see, just see how they capture her. Well, soon I will have had all of the Chibi that I can take. If I haven't had all the chibi I can take, then my chibi tolerance has become much higher than I ever expected. Oh man, if your chibi tolerance gets that high, then uh, what 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 else is what else what else have forms of self improvement? Um, you have the patience for you know Final Fantasy thirteen two. I keep intending to do it because we have one review on the site from Adrian that I think based on the hour I played, is far too positive, but then I I have to actually oh. play the rest of it. It is, it is Adrian, so you got to knock about half a point off of it, right? What can I do for you? I don't think no. Adrian ever reviewed 10-2. That's I should. can't you should ask hear him. you! Let's see, what, what was that freaking Final Fantasy mobile game where you just threw the character at the enemy and you have to buy them back or else wait an hour for them to revive? I think it was just one long, gigantic microtransaction scam. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't actually been playing a whole lot since the last time because I've been playing this this Pillars of Eternity thing and getting into it and finishing Sacred Earth Promise. That will change in the future, probably the near future. But that about sums up my now playing list for now. And, yeah, I had a, a couple of days off and been putting myself into a couple of games we'll be talking over the next couple of shows uh for our crpg corner whatever sidetrack uh so speaking of sidetrack i finally got around to actually catching up and writing a rather long article uh just talking about the last number of games that i played uh and kind of catching that up since i wasn't actually doing that every month like i probably should have been just been way too busy with work but finally yeah having a few days off finally was able to get that caught up and uh yeah mentioned underworld ascendant uh, which I had kickstarted. I just, just don't, just don't. It, it's like, uh, it's, it's horrible. They got the, it's like, what are they trying to do? What was it called? Um, por- uh, not portal. Um, 
the thing with the gravity gun. What was that game called? Half Life Two. Two. Yeah, it was like they're they're going to make a role playing game that's focused around the whole thing with Half Life Two, where you can grab items and throw them, and kind of use them like stack them together to do puzzles, but occasionally use them in combat to beat on things. Even when you cast a spell, you kind of got to throw it like the portal gun, and it, it maybe it sounded good to them in a room. Again, they were so excited. <laughs> they like, yeah, we can do this. They didn't stop and ask if they really should do this. It just in execution, it's it's it the, the combat is clucky, um, and 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 the portal, th- the whatever the gravity gun things already been done enough times, and I don't play my RPGs to have that kind of mechanic in it. The uh, the 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 there's there's this weird saving system where you can pick up this tree and you can put it in the dirt, and that's how you save. And the problem is there's not nearly enough trees and dirt to go around. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. Like, I picked up the tree the first time because it said something about it on the screen. It tries to tutorialize everything. And I clicked the button again, and I put it down in the ground right in front of me. So, And then once you put it down in, in the ground, you can't pick it back up. So I'm like, great. Now I, I've just wasted a save point. And I played for, like, 10, 15 minutes, got killed, start back at the save point. Like, there's no inner – there's no saving along the way. There's just the tree that you were at. You can't. What's really what really throws you off is you can save anywhere you want. There, are, you can go into menu hit save, but it only saves your inventory. It doesn't save your progress. That happens at the tree. So that's deranged. It is weird as hell, and it's pretty easy to die there quickly. Um, it's, again, it doesn't help that the mechanics don't feel super subtle. So sometimes you die; it's, it doesn't feel like it's your fault. Uh, there, it tries to encourage you to sneak a lot, and then you get spotted. You think you were going to get spotted, and you're dead. Um, and and the combat when you do engage in combat, it really is just block, wait for them to to attack, and then attack back. And it just feels pretty pretty lame. I'm pretty disappointed because it was supposed to be kind of this revival of the excellent um, um, Ultima Underworld game. And it just felt like they got too crazy with the mechanics and trying to make this. There's there's someone who's cloning Ultima Underworld that actually is promising, and I can't remember what they're calling it if when it comes out. Hmm. But so yeah, that's kind of disappointing. Uh, like I said, I, I put a I put a number of of, of good hours into uh, into a couple of, of RPGs that we'll talk about in later shows, but uh, so I won't talk about those now. But so that means all I have left to talk about are uh, non-RPG games. Picked up a number of Black Friday things and um, got uh, Fist of the North Star, Lost Paradise. It is just so satisfying to kill things and watch them explode in tons of blood and gore and stuff. That's the Yakuza one, right? Yeah. One from Yakuza. Yeah, it's totally awesome. Go look up some gameplay on YouTube. Uh, Not safe for the workplace. There. This game's adaptation of the batting cages. <laughs> it's goons riding at you on motorcycles and you hit them with a Because <laughs> why the hell not? Um, why why did they keep coming? I understand why you would you would have like, oh hey, we'll we'll copy paste the batting game thing for like one for, for like this one joke boss fight or the start of a boss fight. Just hit him with a girder and then you'll start them on foot fight. And no, this is just a mini game, and it plays exactly like the batting cage. And I'm like, why would these guys keep motorcycling at you? Because <laughs> uh, because it's fun. Because because they 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 want to die. I, I don't know, but it's yeah, 
It's it's great. Um, I was able to pick up Detroit Become Human. I haven't played it myself, but listening to my friend talk about it, you know, you know, we talk about role playing games and how important it is to be able to, to make decisions and have those have an impact. And my friend was telling me that as you do that, of course, Detroit Become Human. I don't know if we technically consider it an RPG, an RPG game, or not. I haven't looked it up, but it, it's not on our list. And it's a David Cage game. So screw that guy. <laughs> I don't know who he is. I just know my my friend was just like he made rain Fahrenheit. Yeah, couldn't couldn't say because I haven't really beyond two souls. I haven't really played them, so oh, I oh, do. You're in for a whole treat of nonsense. I do know, like I remember beyond two souls. I remember seeing that in like reviews, and and there were some problems with it, and whatever. And for me, it's like uh, I'm not big into stories that you just kind of like. You know, you kind of like, uh, what do they call Like graphic uh, story novels or whatever? Graphic novels? Not graphic Visual novels. novels. Visual novels, yeah. I'm not really big into that into that genre myself. But the way my friend was describing how you'd make these decisions in Detroit become human and how they would have a profound impact on these, you know, the way things would turn out. And it would give him these feels and it would make him, you know, just have all these emotions uh, and then go back and try other things, which the game allows you to do. The game will actually show you and go into the menu where the choice is branched off into different paths and just you can explore different ways. But first do it the way your gut tells you and see where you end up. And what, listen to him talk through that. It's like, holy shizballs, that's really what RPG should be about. You should be making these decisions with these large emotional you know, impacts, ultimately. So uh, there's been plenty of RPGs I play that are just called RPGs because I have a combat system that's kind of traditional, but you're kind of going through this linear thing and you may not care about the story a whole lot. Uh, but but it sounds like here, not a lot of combat, if any, it's like quick-time events, but, the, you know, you make a lot of decisions that lives are on the line and have impact. So I'm like, okay, I'll take a look. Uh, one of the games I did pick up that I have played before on Black Friday sale is Dragon Quest Builders. Uh, I played this on my Vita, loved it, uh, got through like second chapter maybe, but uh, with the Switch and everything, I don't spend as much time on Vita as I as I used to, and it's definitely one of those games I think would benefit from a bigger screen, so when they had it on PlayStation 4 on sale, I'm like, let me pick that up, if, and if, you, if you're one of those people who tried Minecraft but felt like maybe it lacked some direction or you could use some sort of focus, it's too open world for you because Minecraft... It's kind of one of those games where it's just a big sandbox for the most part. There's really no objective. There sort of is if you want to go after it about the Enders or whatever have you, big boss or whatever. But you can completely ignore yeah. it and just build up your build own big game, ass. Punch a dragon. Yeah, yeah. And it's for me. I, I played some Minecraft. I was not a huge Minecraft fan. I never did multiplayer. I didn't spend 800 hours on it, but I spent a solid, let's say, 30, 40, 50 hours building my own castle, seeing how deep I could get into the caves without dying. Uh, and seeing what kind of ores I could get and, and building cool things for my castle that had my name on top of it because that's not dorky at all. Dragon Quest Builders, um, you will you will very much like Minecraft. You will mine resources. You can tear apart the world, <laughs> rebuild, uh, but uh, you know rebuild different things out of those resources. But you will actually be given quests and directions. There are NPCs that you'll meet. There's a little bit of a story there. And it's very interesting. The premise is if you play Dragon Quest One, the original. Well, the premise here is that the hero failed. And one of the results, aside from a darker world that's filled with monsters, is that people have kind of lost their ability to create things. Because why the hell not? And But you're you're the builder. And, and you, you don't have a lot of magic powers or anything along those lines. But damn it, you can build shit. So, um, uh, and 
uh, you know, and so as you talk to the NPCs, they'll say, hey, we'll try building this, you know, this type of house first, and they'll give you a blueprint. And you have to go out and get the materials, lay down the blueprint, and it'll build it for you. And then from there, you can modify it. You can build other buildings like it. And what's interesting, you will go out and you will you'll you have plenty of Dragon Quest-like monsters in the world. But uh, And when you fight them, you don't get experience. You may get some materials from those monsters that are useful later on. But the way you kind of level up your character, in a matter of speaking, is by building up your town. The more you build it up, the more hit points you have. Your armor... It's going to come completely from armor you build from the materials and the monsters you beat in the world and put together yourself. Same thing pretty much with your weapon and your weapon attack power. There's different kind of weapons you can use. Uh, the, the combat's a little on the clunky side. It's, it's not really the true focus of the game. It's, it's there because it needs to be there. Uh, what's really cool is sometimes uh, what's really neat is there will be these times where you have to defend your town and that you're building up. And it'll happen at certain points in the storyline. And you can build traps and stuff to help you. It almost becomes a little bit of a tower defense. It's kind of clunky. Don't get me wrong. I love tower defense games, and this is never going to win my award for best tower defense game. But it is cool that you can set these traps up to help you wear down the, the monsters. There's a lot of them. And the NPCs will come out and help you too. So if you help to get them geared up and stuff by building them nice things, that will help your cause as well when you're defending your town. Um, it'll actually destroy chunks of your buildings and the such if they get too close, which you'll have to repair uh, if you want your town to be functional. But it definitely invokes a lot of the coolness of Minecraft and that the world is dangerous. Sometimes you go far away from your castle. Like in Minecraft, I'd build little cabins out in the distance because nighttime would come and it's more dangerous at night. And, and so I'd have cabins all over the world as little refuges. I'd build my pathway so I can remember how to get back. Dragon Quest Builders has a lot of that. Building your own ways on top of the mountains, building staircases to the heavens, so to speak, or mining your way through a mountain to find new ores. It captures a lot of that, but couples it together with a quest system and NPCs and your own town that you're building up. And it's kind of like peanut butter and jelly. I really, really dig it. And I feel like it gives uh, Minecraft a focus that I felt, personally for me, kind of lacked. So... Uh, and, and you can still do the open world thing. There's nothing stopping you at any point in time from saying, screw the quest for a while. I'm going to build the world's biggest castle. That That's still there for you. Um, so I, I could recommend that one and, and probably go along on Black Friday sale, but probably be at the end of the year sale or something like that. And then last but not least, my guilty, my, my constant guilty pleasure are Musou games. Warriors of Rochi 4 is out. I just love beating the crap out of things. What can I tell you? Just just so much fun. Ah, anywho, but I think that's pretty much our show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and remind you that our PG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. So head on over to our site. Check out our reviews I mentioned earlier. We have a ton of other podcasts for you to listen and uh, just fun stuff for you to do over there. Hit us up on Twitter at RPGamer, Matt JC Servant, Mr. Minkies, at Jew Mason. Uh, Scott is at Foul Sorceress, right? Yep. And Mr. Jonathan, what's yours? Mustang 19. There you go. So you can get us all up on Twitter if you like. Leave us some comments. We'll read them on the air. Uh, and Mr. Mickey, why don't you put us to bed? I think I should say something profound here, and yet I played more Pillars of Eternity for a bit, so I'm probably going to do that. Uh, have a good night, everybody. Bye.